There's actually over a thousand studies showing that do your best is an adopting that philosophy. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to look in the eye, tell you I'm going to do my best is all but worthless. Some people (laughs) kick themselves in the pants unnecessarily because they don't think they're doing their best. Other people pat themselves on the back when they shouldn't because they're not doing their best. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today's guest is none other than one of my own personal superheroes, Dr. Gary Latham, who has been for the last 50 years now, one of the world's most influential psychologists in the fields of goal setting and motivation. He's co-founded Goal Setting Theory, one of the world's leading theories in psychology, and has had a tremendous impact. He's been the past president of the Canadian Psychological Association, many, many others. And so I'm super excited to dive deep in this episode into goal setting, into motivation, to what it really takes to achieve the dreams and the goals and the aspirations that you have in your life. I had a blast shooting this episode, so let's dive right in. So why is goal setting so important to maximizing our behavior? Because it gives you focus. And because it lends meaning to what are sometimes meaningless tasks. And goal attainment gives you a sense of accomplishment. Goals uh, get you to exert effort and persist until the goal is attained. So the benefits are very positive. The key is the goal needs to be specific and it needs to be challenging. That's interesting. So, so you already touched upon some of the elements of, of goal setting theory. So for, for our listeners right now that are probably mostly unaware of, of this, this concept, this idea, can you tell us a little bit more about setting, uh, you know, sort of the most important aspects of setting successful goals? Okay. One I already gave you. Most importantly, the goal needs to be specific and it needs to be challenging for the person or the team who's setting it. Then number two, you have to take into account ability. If the goals far exceed the person's ability, they're not going to commit to it. Yeah. All right. Second, I already hit that one. You need to have goal commitment. If you set these lofty goals, but you're really not committed to attaining it, you're just wasting your time. Third, There has to be feedback. You need to be able to see whether you're making progress, whether you're on the mark, or if you're missing it by a mile. And the last one is strategy. You have to have a plan, uh, tactics, a way of attacking the goal. You just can't go after it in a random fashion. Now, that's really interesting. And one point you're making here is about sort of finding a balance, right? between on the one hand, setting high goals, high expectations for yourself, and at the same time, making sure that they're not, as you said, those lofty goals, lofty ambitions that you don't even believe are possible, right? So do you have any advice for people? They're currently in this process of trying to figure out what kind of goal they want to set. Is there any kind of sweet spot that people can hit or any advice for people for how big or how ambitious our goals should be? Well, again, a key factor is take into account your ability. So we're getting into golf season. 
And if you generally attain scores in the high 90s, low 100s, and saying this year, I swear, my goal is, and I'm going to attain it, uh, to be scoring consistently in the 70s, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. And if goals are too high, that's often a sign of low goal commitment. Now, you could say, gee, I consistently score in the high 90s. I'm going to be, I'm going to take steps to start scoring in the low 90s, high 80s by July 4th. And now you're going to set up a plan that's going to allow you to attain that. And then you're on your way. So even if you don't get to low 90s or high 80s, odds are your game's going to improve significantly if you focus on that goal and you've got a plan for getting there. So it sounds like setting milestones or sub-goals is a really important part of this. Um, when you're setting those types of, of really milestones along the way, do you think it's still powerful to focus on the overall vision? So that big end goal of going to low 70s? Or should we sort of take it step by step and really focus only on those incremental steps along the way? Yeah, that's a very good insight on your part. So if the goal is in any way complex or truly difficult, you do want to set sub-goals. So supposing it's weight loss and you say, I weigh X pounds, but I've got to lose weight. My MD wants me to lose weight. My partner wants me to lose yeah. weight. I got to lose weight. So now you say, this is, um, what is the date? May 25th, somewhere in there. And you say, step on the bathroom scales and you say, okay, here's how much I weigh. I'm going to have an overall goal to lose 20 pounds by September 1st. Then I'm going to have a sub-goal for June, a sub-goal for July, a sub-goal for August. And lo and behold, I'm going to attain or even beat that goal by September. So you want sub-goals. What the sub-goals do is they keep you motivated. And the sub-goals also tell you, again, are you on the right path or the wrong path and going toward that final goal? So sub-goals are a really smart thing to do. Well, yeah, so you also have, like, like you mentioned, right, that direct feedback, right, of every day knowing sort of where you're going and how well you're doing. I started applying this in my own life and, and just really tracking every single day sort of the behaviors that also got me there, the, like the behaviors that were necessary to achieve my goals. And I've really found that, like, that actually boosts my, my motivation on a daily basis. So, so one of the things you, so you sort of touched upon is um, in your research is that doing your best goals, quote unquote, right? So saying, oh, I'm just going to do my best actually isn't as, as positive and as, as effective as setting specific goals. So wh why do you think that is? Well, there's actually over a thousand studies done in countries from Japan to South Africa, Canada, the United States, UK, Germany, showing that do your best is uh, an uh, Adopting that philosophy, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to look in the yeah. eye, tell you I'm going to do my best, is all but worthless. Some <laughs> people kick themselves in the pants unnecessarily because they don't think they're doing their best. Mm. Other people pat themselves on the back when they shouldn't because they're not doing their best. And it's such a wide, broad range. You never know whether you're making progress whether you have in fact done your best, whether you're missing it by a mile, 
because it's just too vague. It's too abstract. For sure, for sure. But I feel like it's oftentimes so tempting, right, to set these like sort of just doing your best goals, right, or, or effort type of goals because it's just easier, right, than setting actual specific goals and then getting disappointed, right, if if you don't achieve it. But if it's too vague, you can get into self-delusion. You can say, I know I'm really doing well when you aren't. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so, so how can we actually increase our motivation to achieve our goals? Do you have any practical advice on that? Well, there's a whole lot of ways. One is find a model, someone who you identify with, who has either already attained the goal that you're striving to get or is in the process of doing so. Because if you identify with the model and that person is making progress, then you're apt to say, gee, if she can, he can, so can I. So it keeps you pursuing the goal even when there are minor setbacks. Another is to be sure you've got accurate feedback on goal progress. Because as, as I said, if you've got scales in your house that you can weigh yourself and you can see your weight's really starting to go down, you may have the willpower to refuse that next alcoholic drink when someone offers it to you because alcohol is just full of calories. And same thing with a lot of sugar and dessert. Somebody says, how would you like another piece of cake? You say, no, thank you, because you can see how well you're doing and losing weight. And you don't want to start going down the wrong path. Another way is to take in many ways, well, we've talked about it. Having some goals is very motivational. Uh, and finally, is your own self-talk. Are you talking yourself up or are you talking yourself down? Are you saying, I can do this? All I have to do is, I've got this great plan. Keep your self-talk positive and you'll stay motivated to attain the goal. Oh, here's another one for you. Tell people exactly what your goal is and then get their support. So again, in my case, I love to have a drink, an after dinner drink around 11 o'clock at night if we're at a party on Saturday mm -hmm. night. So I've given my wife permission to say, uh, someone says, Gary, would you like to have a drink? I say, sure, please. And she's got permission for me to say, no, actually, Gary would like Perrier. Perrier <laughs> doesn't have a whole lot of calories. Not going to give well, me a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to get angry because I told her up front, be sure to do this. Don't let me have that extra alcoholic drink because I'm going to pay for it when I step <laughs> on the bathroom scales the next day. Well, I love that. That's such a great concept, really, of, of making sure that you actually commit and stick to the goal. Yeah, so get public support from your buddies, from your parents, from your partner, whoever you're going out with or live with. Get their support and they'll help you out. Well, I love that. And one, one thing, one other thing that, that you mentioned before that you touched upon is this idea of, of putting attention on your goal, right? Because I feel like much of the, the, the impact of, of this constant feedback and constant goal setting is that like we're just more conscious of, of the goals that we're trying to reach, right? Rather than living so unconsciously. That's right. So the, what, if there's a key word here, it's focus. And that's another trouble with you say, do your best. How can you focus on something that's vague and abstract, such as do your best? 
But say you're a runner and you said, gee, the last time I did this in 30 minutes. Now, you're going to say, you're not going to say, I'm going to do my best. You're yeah. going to say, I'm going to shave uh, another two minutes off this. So in this run, I'm going to do it in 28 minutes. And then you do that a few times. You say, you know what? I'm going to get this down to 25 minutes. So these are sub goals and they're having a fantastic effect on your ability, your speed, your ability to beat your, you know, what we call the distal goal, all because of focus. For sure, this is so important. You know, I wish I would have known this research years ago, right? Because when I started running, I was setting these constantly, like I was constantly setting these like effort goals, right? Of, oh, I'm just going to do my best, just going to run my hardest, right? But what I found is that every time that I actually set a specific time for how fast I wanted to run or what place I wanted to get, I actually ended up doing better than just saying, you know, I'm just going to do my best today and see where it goes. So I wish really I would have known that research. Now, what are some some of the most common mistakes that you see people make when, when they set their goals? I think um, they don't take into account situational resources. So if you say, I'm a runner, well, what have you got on your feet? How good are the, is your running shoes? Yeah. And what kind of a track are you running on? So you've got to have situational resources. You need to make sure you've minimized any situational constraints. And then another one we've already touched on is take into account your ability. So you were saying earlier, some of the people listening to this pod are going to be students. If you've been getting D's and C minuses in Latin or math or history, doesn't matter what the subject is, and you suddenly say, I'm going to get A's, and then it comes back mm -hmm. as B pluses. Well, instead of getting yourself discouraged, you should be giving yourself a big pat on the back. And you probably should have been get, setting a realistic goal. Or you were going to ask me about smart, specific, measurable. Yeah. A is attainable. So if you consistently be getting D's and C minuses, You want to set grades that goals for grades that are realistic and attainable. So you probably want to say, I'm going to shoot for a C plus on the next one, and I'm going to shoot for a solid B on the one after that. Then, by the way, don't forget, you need to have a plan. So the plan may be, I'm going to study with my girlfriend or boyfriend who gets good grades in this course. I'm going to start staying after school and working with the teacher. I'm going to hire a tutor. You got to have a plan that's going to allow you to attain those goals. For sure. That's so powerful. And one, one important thing that we mentioned here is this idea of uh, setting the right expectations, right? So if you're a D student right now, not saying, oh, next from now on, I'm going to get all A's, right? Because that's just not realistic, but really getting clear on like what is realistically going to happen. Because otherwise you sort of just um, stop yourself from, from being more motivated, right? When you just fail and fail and fail at those goals, you're not going to be motivated anymore to try, right? That's correct. So how have you used goal things here in your own life? You mentioned before how, how you use your wife to sort of ditch the wine at, at dinner parties. Have you used any other kind of techniques or tools in your own life? Well, 
I was giving an invited address in Australia a few years back. And when I was done, we'll open it up for questions. And someone asked the same question that you just did. Do you use goals in your life? And before I could answer, my wife jumped up, turned to the audience of about 1,500 people and said, are you kidding me? My husband sets goals before he gets out of bed on Saturday morning. <laughs> so in my personal life, on the weekends, I usually have a list that I write um, before I walk out of the bathroom after I've taken my shower. I've got a list of, say, five key things I'm going to get done before the day is over. Oh, wow. And when I go to the university on Monday through Friday, again, I'll have three to five goals that I want to accomplish before I go home. Now, again, you make them specific because then you can't fool yourself into thinking, gee, I really knocked myself out. I've done my best. I'm getting tired. I think I'll go home. Yeah. No, I look and say, darn, I've only done three. I'm going to stay here and knock off the other two. Now, again, why do that? Gives you sense of accomplishment. And by the way, sense of accomplishment helps minimize feelings of burnout. Oh, wow. So whether you're an athlete or a student, you want to minimize burnout by accomplishment, accomplishment, accomplishment. Why, why do you think that is? That's, that's fascinating insight. Oh, because most of us, uh, dread uh, living in a, what do I want to call, uh, merry-go-round, just going around and round, not accomplishing anything, mm -hmm. feeling that uh, what you're doing is useless. Everybody hates feeling useless. And if you can, even when you're stuck in traffic, you may say, you know what, this is a great time for me to listen to the news and get caught up on the world. Or this is a great time for me to listen to an audio book and find out I've been wanting to read this for so long, I never have a chance. So I'll listen to the book while I'm in the car. Uh, it's that sense of uselessness, uh, that feeling that comes, uselessness comes helplessness. With helplessness comes the sense of, I just give up. And when you give up, life is all but over. For sure, for sure. Wow, that's so interesting. Now you mentioned before that that you're like writing down your goals every single day. So do you do you actually like stay at work until you've knocked off every single one of them? Or what is your process yes. of now notice I only said three to five. If I said fifty-five, I'd never go home. <laughs> so again, it has to be attainable. Hmm. By the way, they also have to be important to me. If they're if it's uh clean up the office, there's nothing I hate more than tidying up my desk or tidying <laughs> up the office or even tidying up around the house. I hate doing that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's got to be three to five things that are important to me that I want to get done. And then uh, the clock it starts to get close to five o'clock. I think, gee, maybe I should leave and try and beat the traffic. But <laughs> I still got one or two left. I'll stay and do them. And then wow. I drive home feeling good about all the stuff that I got done today. And by the way, it adds up. There's five days in a work week. So I look at all the things I've done over the whole week, and I'm feeling darn good on Friday. And if I'm not feeling darn good, guess what I'm going to do Saturday morning? I'm going to get caught up. 
why I love that, that they actually like becoming so disciplined on a daily basis, right? The way like you set a goal and you actually achieve it, right? And that confidence, I'm sure it's just, it just builds up over time, right? Where those where you, you know, you just kind of, we're hoping you'd achieve it, right? Or like just quit after you feel tired or quit when you feel, you know, when you don't really feel like doing it anymore. I love that. Yeah. And whether you're an athlete, a student or both, uh, self-discipline is the name of the game. For sure, hundred percent. So, so one thing that really reminds me of is this this idea that oftentimes the the things that we want to achieve they aren't necessarily pleasurable, right? Like you mentioned before, um, working out, right? It's not necessarily a thing that that is fun to do, right? Or skipping the alcohol, whatever it is. So, what can people do if you know they want to achieve a goal, like losing a certain amount of weight, for example, but they just really don't feel like actually you know going to a gym or actually eating that healthy food. So let's go back to one of the factors that uh, are important for goal attainment is resources. Now, you're talking right now to a person who hates exercise. Wow. I just hate it. So at my age, my doctor's saying, Gary, you got to lose a few pounds. Now, the trouble with few is it's vague. So what does that yeah. mean? I lose two pounds? I'm done yeah, gold. So, yeah. what's a few pounds and he goes 20 and i go damn now how am i gonna do that now i know i lack the discipline so i went to a gym and i hired a trainer and the trainer wow. cost me uh, a few significant dollars mm -hmm. and the trainer says uh show up when you feel like it no <clears throat> excuse me what the trainer says is Let's look at our calendars. What are you doing on Monday? I go, oh, darn, I don't want to come oh, on Monday. No. He says, yeah, you do. What time's good for you on Monday? I go, I don't know, 6 p.m. I'll see you at 6 p.m. And then what's he do? He works me to death. I think the guy's the saddest. <laughs> but it paid You kind of have to be right in that profession. <laughs> yeah. So I needed a resource called a coach. That's going to give me the discipline that I know I just don't have. Now, did I enjoy it? No, I didn't enjoy one bit. But I feel good about what I accomplished. And I finished, I hate to tell you how much money I paid for 10 lessons. But now I've signed up for 10 more. Now, why do I want to pay all this money for something I can do myself? Because I lack the discipline. That's why. Wow, but I love this concept of, of just, you know, having the self-awareness, right? That you know that on your own, you're not going to do it. And instead, look going outside and looking for those external resources, right? This external help that you know is going to push you. I really love that concept. Right. And that's why, you know, whether it's alcohol or cake or pie or whatever to put the pounds on, um, get, the, get the support of your buddies, person you're living with, whoever, who is kind of being, you remember, are you old enough to remember Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket? Jiminy Cricket was the conscience. And you need someone who's going to be your conscience and go, no, 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 you're not going to do this. You're going to refrain from another drink or you're going to refrain from another brownie. Wow. Yes. Love that. Love that. You know, I was, uh, when I was in the US doing my bachelor's degree, I was running like, uh, in college. Right. And we had a team of like 10 guys or so there. Right. And the amazing thing was that 
you're actually able to push each other like on a daily basis, right? So we, you know, start waking up early. We'd start, you know, going to bed early, like sooner, right? We'd start doing those early morning runs, extra miles every day, because once you're in that environment where everyone's driven, right? And everyone's like driving and pushing each other, it becomes so much more easier to, to sort of feel motivated, quote unquote, right? On a daily basis. Absolutely. Love that. Now, Gary, I, on this show, we always love to celebrate failures. So do you have a favorite failing in your life, a failure that, or a parent failure that set you up for later success in your life? In my case, I'm a professor and I'm required. Well, I think probably all your listeners have heard the term publish or perish. <laughs> and the parish means if you're not publishing, you not only don't get promoted, you get let go from the university. So there's tremendous pressure. Now, here's the next thing your listeners may not know. To publish in the top journals, it's a 90% rejection rate. Wow, okay. Only 10% of the papers that are submitted to a top journal get accepted. So tremendous likelihood of failure after failure after failure. Now, I'm among the top professors in my field. However, at this very date, I still get rejections. Yes, you do. So how do you stay motivated? And what I learned way back in the 70s when I first started publishing in this field was to seek and accept criticism actually go out and ask for it. So in running, when you and I go running, I'd like you to watch me and give me at least three tips. I'm not asking you to make me feel bad. I'm not asking you to be abusive, but I am asking for a constructive criticism, whether it's running or eating habits. We talked about weight. I might say, look, uh, you and I usually eat every day for lunch together. Uh, what tips have you got for me in terms of losing weight? And you might say, Gary, why don't you get off the soup, which is loaded with salt, and start eating salads without dressing on it? It has less calories that way. In terms of my papers as a professor, I would send them to very eminent people in my field. And I would say, I would really appreciate your critique on everything from style, grammar, to substance, which has to do with the theory and the science and that sort of thing. But it was up to me to make the person feel comfortable saying, in so many words, Gary, your paper stinks. And better that I know it stinks before <laughs> I submit it than after I've submitted it. So once I started to accept criticism, I learned to look forward to getting it and then taking action steps to fix the mistakes that I've made. And I did that in my 20s, right up through my 70s. Wow, that's such an amazing idea. And I love this. And it really reminds me of Carol Dweck's growth mindset, right? Because really what it comes down to is sort of building, a, building an identity around the learner, right? About being able to get better over time rather than having this fixed mindset where you believe that your basically capabilities are just set in stone, right? So this is such a great idea. Yeah, the only, I, the only thing I would add is, and this may be too much information, is that in Carol Dweck's case, she's talking about traits. 
what you're predisposed to doing. Mm -hmm. And what I'm advocating to your listeners is regardless of your traits, anyone can invite criticism. And the only trick is to make the person who's doing the criticism feel comfortable doing so, so that you get honest feedback. For sure. So, so how do you do that? Like, do you just tell them that, that you're basically open to any kind of feedback? Well, in, the, in my world, it would be, look, I'd rather hear before it goes into the journal, because it sits with the journal for three to six months before you get the yeah. rejection. So you've lost so much time. So I'll say, look, I really value your opinion. I don't want you to worry about getting me upset or hurting me. I promise you, I'll give you a big hug, not a big kick. Mm -hmm. If you can tear this paper apart, and I use that phrase, please tear this paper apart so that I can work on it before submitting it. Wow, I love that. <laughs> now, Gary, before I ask my final question, where can listeners right now connect with you online? Do you have a favorite way to for people to reach oh, out to you? I get over 100 emails a day. I'm not sure if I can take any more, but oh, I'll tell wow. you what, I've written a book that's in plain English. It's not for academics, and it's called Becoming the Evidence-Based Manager. Becoming the Evidence-Based Manager. And you can get that on Amazon or any public bookstore. As I say, it was written for the general public, not for academics. And uh, they'll really like that book. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that'll hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's gonna set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really wanna challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.